0: Welcome to Mission Daily. On today's episode, Chad sits down with Randy Zuckerberg, CEO of Zuckerberg Media. Randy founded Zuckerberg Media with the mission of introducing young girls and women to tech and science, with the hopes that the billion dollar tech companies of the future will feature more diversity. In this episode, Chad and Randy discuss her passion for introducing STEM to young girls and women, how she enjoys being well lopsided when thinking about balancing personal life and professional life, and her new book titled Pick Three You Can Have It All, Just Not Every Day.
1: Hey, good morning, Randy. How are you doing?
0: Good morning. It's great to be here with you.
1: Likewise. Yeah, it's, it's great to uh, connect and I'm excited to jump into the interview. Uh, so when people learn that you're the CEO of Zuckerberg Media that have no idea what you do or what Zuckerberg Media does, um, how do you describe it?
0: It's okay. Sometimes I have no idea what Zuckerberg Media does. I think like <laughs> any entrepreneur... The goal that you set out when you launch and create your company, your company ends up looking very different a few years down the road from what you started out as. So for me, it started out as a mission, Zuckerberg Media. I knew that I wanted to bring more gender diversity into Silicon Valley and STEM, but I wasn't quite sure how to do that. I had an initial Mm. hypothesis about creating content, but as I started to really do research and dig into the data, I found two key moments that we lose women in STEM and and tech. And that is uh, when they're girls at about eight to 10 years old. And another is in the entrepreneurship phase of starting companies. So I kind of went back to the drawing board with Zuckerberg Media. And now every single project that we do either reaches eight to 10 year old girls or entrepreneurs to help them get that leg up.
1: I love it. And is there an example of a project you're working on right now that you can share? Maybe something that's not public yet or if you want to use an example of something that's already out in the world?
0: Absolutely. I can give you an example on both of those fronts. On, um, on the girls' front, we launched something about a year ago called Sue's Tech Kitchen. It is a pop-up cafe, a dessert cafe, where you use robotics and STEM and AI in order to make desserts. So you can print cool. chocolate, you can uh, program robots to make pancakes and actually something new that we're doing is this summer we are actually doing our first summer camp a week-long summer camp around sue's tech kitchen with the whole curriculum there so i'm I'm very excited oh
1: awesome where's the camp at
0: in rochester new york at uh, the rochester institute of technology which is one of the leading tech uh, universities in, in the country. So we're, we're really thrilled to partner with them. Uh, on the really entrepreneurship cool. side, we recently launched something called Zuckerberg Institute. That is has been really fun. We have entrepreneurs from all over the world and we do everything from one-on-one coaching to group and peer mentoring to kind of focused online intensives and how to start a podcast or how to get speaker trained and that's been, been really great to see people who wouldn't normally have the access of just walking into a Silicon Valley venture fund.
1: So you mentioned a little bit about your why behind this company, but I would love to hear more. Uh, you know, Why are you doing this? Obviously, these are important issues, but you can choose from many projects. Why are these so exciting for you?
0: Thank you. Well, it's very personal for me. Um, I saw firsthand how technology changed my life completely. Um, Having that opportunity to be on the front lines of social media and working at Facebook at such an early age just really completely changed my entire career and my view of what was possible in the world with entrepreneurship. I loved every moment of working in Silicon Valley with Facebook. The only thing I did not love was pretty much being the only woman in every room that I was in for a decade. And uh, that was something that I started to, to really question and think about, you know, how do we, how is it that we're building these global companies, but everyone in the room looks identical? And uh, that, at that point, it really started to become my mission. I knew um, once you know, my work was complete with Facebook, that the second chapter of my career would really be around getting more women in the room and changing what the upper executive uh, ranks of these companies look like.
1: So there's a lot of work to do there, uh, definitely. There is, and, and I, did,
0: I didn't realize it starts <laughs> so early. I, I didn't yeah. realize it started at eight, nine, 10 years old when girls are first forming their identity and they're thinking, oh, that's for boys and this is for girls. And I heard, I heard a girl say like, oh, Legos are for boys. And I- I said, no, a Lego is a piece of plastic.
1: Legos are for everybody. They're so great.
0: <laughs> That's right. It starts much earlier, that gap, than any of us thought. And uh, I never thought I'd find myself in children's content. But like any entrepreneur, you, you, know, you have a problem you want to solve and you uh, use the data to get in there and solve it.
1: So when you're working with young girls and you're introducing STEM and robotics and technology, are there any favorite stories of maybe girls who come in the program and then leave with like a paradigm shift or they leave thinking anything might be possible now?
0: Totally. Oh my gosh. Well, uh, first of all, I think the thing that's been most exciting for me about working with girls is that girls love when you can take STEM skills and apply them to the real world. And that's why um, everything that we do revolves either around cooking or building or creating things uh, because the girls like to see, okay, AI is great, but how does that apply to my life and and how can I do that? We've had so many girls that have gone through Sue's Tech Kitchen who are now either mentoring other girls or who have joined kind of competitive robotics and science clubs at their schools that we still keep in touch with. The first ever Sue's Tech Kitchen we did was in Chattanooga, Tennessee. And we chose that city because it's almost a startup city. It's a city that's mm-hmm. really suffering from the loss of a lot of automotive jobs and factories. And is trying oh,
1: it's to, so re- to brand
0: itself as a tech hub. I mean, I, a few years ago, I probably would not have even been able to find Chattanooga, Tennessee on a map. <laughs> and now I just, my Instagram is full of these families <laughs> that I've connected with from there. And kind of seeing their journey, oh, awesome. it's been, it's really beautiful.
1: So you have a new book out. It's called Pick Three. Uh, I would love to hear about that. I'm fascinated with creative projects. So what were the origins of that book and why did you choose to write it?
0: Well, thanks so much for bringing that up. I um, yeah. I think for me, I was definitely in a period of my life where I was feeling very overwhelmed. Um, as you can tell from our conversation, I have my hand in a lot of different projects. I also am a mom. I have two sons and a third child on the way. That's a lot. Yes, a lot. Um, and then I also have a pretty robust side hustle that I do in Broadway producing. So uh, that it's a lot to juggle. And I, I have a, a life philosophy, which is that I'm really not a fan of the term being well-balanced. I don't think anyone has Same. ever done anything they were proud of in life when they had perfect balance. Agreed. <laughs> yes. I So I like to give myself permission to be well lopsided. And yeah. uh, whatever I'm focusing on in the moment that I want to be great at, it's going to mean prioritizing that thing. And saying no to other things, sometimes even things that I care a lot about. So my, my philosophy behind the book, pick three goes like this work, sleep, family, friends, fitness, pick three. So uh, I don't know. I'm, can I throw it back at you, which, you know, what, what three are you choosing these days? And, uh, Maybe you can take me through a moment that you're most proud of in your life. And like, if you were balanced, if you were balanced or lopsided during that time.
1: (laughs) Okay. So this is a very timely question. Um, So back in 2017, uh, I'd recently moved to Silicon Valley. Uh, My wife and I moved out here. I was a uh, solo non-technical founder. She was working at Google. I had a crazy idea for a new media company. I got, I was fortunate enough. I got an angel check from Founders Fund, kind of kicked it off. In 2018, we launched our first podcast. Uh, Now we have nine and the network of podcasts is growing really rapidly. However, to get there, I had to sacrifice family, friends and fitness. And I'm not proud of that, but it was something I was trying to keep tabs on, like basically tabs on how much relationship debt, how much friend debt and how am I going to pay this off? And recently, we finally hit some milestones where, you know, we've been able to hire, we have a great team uh, and I can take weekends off. And that's allowed me to kind of shift the balance back over to family, friends, and fitness. That was a big trade-off. It was uncomfortable. But now that I'm through it, I'm kind of glad I went through that lopsided phase um, because I didn't really know what was possible before that. So yeah, now I'm trying to pick family, friends, and fitness. I might shift it back to work and sleep in a little bit.
0: <laughs> I, I love that so much because I mean, I do believe that we should all strive to be balanced in the long run of our lives. So, yeah. but that I love that you just outlined two phases where, you know, you were all in as an entrepreneur and you had to be and you hit some really amazing milestones, which congratulations. Thank you. You were able to say, okay, it's time to take, you know, maybe uh, temporarily pull away and focus on some of the areas. Of of my life that i've been ignoring and then you know dive back into it
1: yeah thank you and it's um not easy to let go of feeling guilty sometimes when you're doing that but um i'm getting better at it and uh my wife and uh son even though he's only 14 months uh, are helping with that
0: i think a lot of people assume that the work life balance conversation is only something for women And it's not. It's for everyone. We're all struggling. We all have to prioritize. We're all compromising aspects of our health or our family or our friendships in order to do the things that we're doing. This is not a conversation that's for one gender or for only people who have children. And that's one of the things I really wanted to address in Pick Three also.
1: So there are a number of passages that are awesome in the book. Were there any chapters or you know segues or List that you put in the book that you're especially proud of that you still reflect on from time to time, maybe to remind yourself?
0: Definitely. There were so many. And I, I really tried to stay away from the urge to kind of interview celebrities and people that, you know, are very well known, because I find that people like that have whole teams around them that help them to be able to achieve more than the normal person can achieve. So I really tried to interview um, normal people going through different phases of their lives. One of my favorite interviews is with a doctor. Uh, He does pediatric uh, organ transplants. So if you have a baby or a child that is in need of a life-saving heart transplant, he is the surgeon. So he outlined that basically his work is life and death. I think a lot of Mm. us, we pretend that our work is life or death, or we put that (laughs) fake anxiety in ourselves. Like when his phone goes off, getting called in to do a heart transplant, that is actually life and death uh, for a family. And so he said that, you know, if he gets buzzed during his own wedding, he would leave to go do a surgery. And that's really impacted his ability to find a spouse, to, you know, have, a meaningful family and friendships and things like that, but that, you know, he has really made that decision to put work first. He also outlined what it's like to do a 90 hour straight shift. Some of these wow. surgeries are crazy long. Um, and he shared with me some of his hacks for, you know, still working at peak performance for that long. So that was, I think, one of the most fascinating interviews I did.
1: Yeah, that's incredible because I think I maxed out at about 48 to I think 72 hours were the longest missions that we did in the army where you had to go without sleep. Yeah, that's uh, not pleasant. I can't imagine doing surgery on for a 90-hour stint.
0: <laughs> I'm not advocating to anyone to go for 90 hours without Definitely, sleep. Definitely, we're
1: not we're not advocating that.
0: And in fact, on the other end of that spectrum in the same chapter I spoke with a sleep doctor who shared a, a staff with Matthew Walker, me I think, who- right? Yes, exactly.
1: Yeah, he's fantastic. He
0: shared just the most mind-blowing stat that um, on daylight savings in the fall, when we gain one extra hour of sleep, the rate of heart attacks in this country drops by 30% that day. Just on us cumulatively getting one more hour of sleep. So he was like, just extrapolate that to the rest of your life. If getting one hour of sleep can drop your rate of heart attack by that much, um, just, just think about that. And and that was a, a big wake up call for me.
1: Randy, I would love to talk if you're open to it about any of the big mistakes you made in your career that you learned from and that you, you know, adjusted afterwards, because in entrepreneurship, it can feel like, you know, when you're the CEO, when you're the founder, you can be too critical on yourself. And, you know, I look at a lot of my mistakes and I don't forgive myself for them. I'm trying to learn from them. So any tips from you would be great.
0: Oh my gosh. You're so right. I I have this bad habit of when I lie down to go to bed at night, I just, I think through every big mistake I've made in my life. And it's like, it's like a (laughs) terrible way to end your day. But actually what's so funny about it is that some of the things that looked like humongous failures in the moment turned out to actually be really key stepping stones. I just didn't know them. So one of the ones that I, that seemed like such a failure in the time was that my first project, when I went out on my own after Facebook, um, I worked with NBC and Bravo. They, to produce a a documentary series on TV about entrepreneurs going through Silicon Valley. And it got so much buzz. So many people tuned into the first episode and then a lot less in the second episode, a lot less. And then I got the call from the network, That they were moving the time slot to 3 a.m. or something like that, Uh, where shows go to die. It was just, it was a failure. The show got canceled after the first season. It was my first project going out on my own. And I just, I felt like such a failure. Uh, I'd spent about a year straight working on that project. And I thought, how am I going to recover from this? But about two years later, when I wrote my first children's book targeted to that eight to 10 year old techie girl called Dot about the super techie girl that same executive at NBC called me and said, you know what? Our first show didn't work, but I have a feeling maybe this next show might. Why don't we turn Dot into a children's show? And now um, we just launched our 80th episode of the show. It's syndicated in, I think, over 30 countries around the world now. And that never would have happened without that relationship with that executive and that failed project. So I think sometimes the things that look like huge failures in the moment that you know we wonder if we're going to scrape ourselves off the floor and keep going turn out to be very necessary things in the way to success.
1: When you think about building culture at Zuckerberg Media or if you look out at the culture in America right now, what are you thinking and how are you going about building culture amongst, you know, your team?
0: We have a very unique team here at Zuckerberg Media and that everyone is both kind of techies and artists. At the same time, I think that's kind of the kind of person I've always been drawn to because I have a a side love of theater in addition to everything I've done in tech. And so everyone who works at Zuckerberg Media has touched the theater world in some way. We have members of the team who have choreographed shows on Broadway. We have members of the team who have led theater troops in refugee camps, like really amazing people. So we like to really incorporate that into our company culture. A bunch of folks from the company all went to the Tony Awards together uh, recently. We go to a lot of theater outings and readings uh, as a team. So that's something that really bonds us in in a way outside of our work and gives people, you know, a sense that they're getting a perk that's really special that they wouldn't find at another company or another job they went to. So I think it's just, it's important for leaders at companies to understand what drives people inside their company and offer those intangible things that make people really excited to go to work and be part of a culture.
1: Very cool. And when you look back at your career, are there maybe, is there one impactful lesson that you try to reflect on often or... What are some lessons you can share with us?
0: I've been talking a lot about mentorship these days because it's something that's really on my mind as a mistake or something that I wish I had learned earlier in my career. Um, I spent a lot of time looking for one mentor. Everyone always said, you know, find a mentor. And I assumed that, That would be one person who is much older and wiser than me and and more senior in their career who could guide me. And um, I spent so long looking for that person. I was always disappointed because they either never had the time for me or we finally sit down to chat and they would ask me a million questions about social media and I would end up mentoring them. Finally, somewhere along the line, I realized that actually I had a lot of mentors. They were my friends and peers sitting right next to me who we were all going through the same things together and rising together and helping each other. I just, I hadn't realized that. And I wish I realized it sooner so I could invest in those peer groups. And I think that's why with Zuckerberg Institute, we do so much with group coaching and peer mentorship, because there's a lot that I can do to coach someone and and lead them, but there's so much more that they're going to get out of their peer group. So that's something I I wish I had identified earlier.
1: Do you have any advice out there? Because we have a lot of women in our audience on our team. And when they hear the interview, they're going to say, how can I get more involved in this? How can I help support girls at that critical juncture in their lives? Uh, Is there any advice you have for people that listen to this interview and are thinking, how can I help?
0: Thank you. Well, we really need everyone to be advocates, not just women. I mean, uh, a lot of us have young girls in our lives and family members and friends. I think, you know, something that everyone can do is, you know, they can get involved in their school. And really advocate for STEM education at an earlier age. One of the big philanthropic projects that my husband and I just did was we just built a STEM lab at our school um, with the requirement that there be kind of girls' robotics clubs and things like that. But even if it's, you know, volunteering with the Girl Scouts or something like that in your local community, an organization that reaches girls. On the entrepreneurship front, though, because that's another area, that's another huge gap where we lose women when it comes time to starting companies, anything that any of us can do to help mentor women, uh, whether it's sitting down and helping them make their pitch deck or giving advice or talking through a business plan and making them feel like they're not alone and they have that support network um, sure. is really powerful on both ends. So there, there are so many ways that any of us can get involved with both, you know, getting girls into STEM early and then keeping them there as entrepreneurs.
1: So Pick 3 is out now. And Randy, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, Where can people find or connect with your work?
0: Thank you so much. Um, Pick 3 is available on Amazon or any of your favorite bookstores. I would really encourage any entrepreneurs out there to connect with us at ZuckerbergInstitute.com. We have tons tons of of courses and coaching. And of course, if there's a a young girl in your life who'd be interested in any of our camps or programs, Sue's Tech Kitchen.
1: Awesome. Randy, thank you so much.
0: Thank you so much. Take care.
1: Mission Daily and all of our podcasts are created with love by our team at mission.org. We own and operate a network of podcasts and a brand and story studio designed to accelerate learning. Our clients include companies like Salesforce, they're a customer times five Twilio and Katera who work with us because we produce results to learn more and get our case studies. Check out mission.org studios. If you're tired of media and news that promotes fear, uncertainty and doubt, and if you want an antidote to all that chaos, you're at the right place. Subscribe here and to our daily newsletter at mission.org. Each morning, you'll get a newsletter that will help you start your morning and your day off right.